0: Acne Army Podcast. Yo, fam! Top of the morning, happy Friday to you. This is part two of our conversation we had with Peter Jones earlier, and this one gets deep with Gilbert Brown, the Grave Digger, as well. We talk all kinds of things Packers, and the conversation never gets dull. Peter Jones, we appreciate him. Check us out on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Google Podcasts, everywhere. Share with a friend. We're growing. Get it. Well,
1: about that time. Yeah.
0: One of the great things we had, just being Packer fans, is we've had players in our past that have been great players, and what we have Peter on the show for uh, in the past so often was talk about some of our former Packer profiles and these Packer legends that really, you know, help shape the culture, help shape the organization, help shape the fan base. I mean, the fan base around the the, the player we're going to discuss here today is one that... I mean, just an unsung hero to so many degrees. A third-round pick who was released before he even got to take a snap with the team that drafted him.
2: Minnesota Vikings suck.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I had something in my throat there. Me too. 79th pick overall. Uh, But what he stood for was really what we drafted and have talked about and needed in the Green Bay Packers defense. And that is a stout interior run defenseman. And there's no other great player that we could talk about today than Gilbert Brown.
2: Grave digger.
0: He was six foot two, 340 pounds. I think that's up to debate, right? Uh, He came out of Kansas. And uh, again, he was a third-round pick from the Minnesota Vikings. And they cut him because he came in about 3.55, they said, to training camp. Incredible uh, swing and a miss there from our favorite organization in the NFC North. What is your take on the Packer legend Gilbert Brown, Peter?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I I assumed that you'd ask me on because because in lockdown I'm getting more and more Gilbert Shape. <laughs> <laughs> <Me too>. um, <laughs> I got fortune. But but yeah, and, you know, and and I'm sure we'll touch on lots of stuff here. But 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 one of those guys when when you you know you look at that team from let's say 94, 95, 96, 97, that great spell of you know you're not lifting him up there with the Reggie White's and the Brett Favre's and 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 those truly great players. But he's one of those. These are the types of players that every team has to has to have. And you know, as you said, out of out of Kansas, played at Kansas at the same time, Dana Stubblefield was there, who, who went on to be an all-pro for the 49ers. And as you said, picked by picked by the Vikings. And you know, weight was obviously was was obviously a um uh, an issue. And and I heard a story that that they did some activity in, in camp where uh they had to run around in circles and, and catch the guy in front of them and and, and they and they had, Gilbert Brown had to try and catch John Randall you know the great Vikings defensive defensive tackle and uh, I've not seen any pictures or whatever it is but but what ended up happening was randall was so quick that he ended up going all the way around the circle and catching gilbert brown so it's like like <laughs> a, like a pursuit bike race you know where they started <laughs> different sides of the um I, I, and, I, and i guess ultimately you know the, the, with the vikings drafting gilbert brown they probably didn't get the best fit for the system that they wanted to run if they were looking for for fast explosive guys off the line like John Randall was and Gilbert Brown wasn't wasn't that guy back in, back in 93. Um a better athlete though to be fair than many gave him credit for. Good first step, but but for the Packers was just dominant, you know, dominant nose tackle, lined up zero tackle, one technique, and clogged up that line and, and enabled the likes of Santana Dotson next to him. The two ends, obviously, Reggie and Sean Jones to be to be to be dominant. And I think that in the NFL, I think it's difficult to continually win without having a dominant defensive front. And the recent Packers, I guess, have been a bit of an anomaly to that. But I think generally speaking, the top teams have a a dominant defensive front. And Gilbert Brown was, you know, one quarter of that great defensive front that the Packers that the Packers had. And you know we, we'll always picture that number ninety three as being as being Gilbert Gilbert Brown there, um, and yeah, just just a super dominant player for a, de- a decade or so. Yeah, um, yeah. He had a couple injuries.
0: Uh, you know, he he came in with the Packers. He didn't get a whole lot of playing time his first uh, year. Wasn't ninety three at that time, and uh, got himself into shape. But yeah. He filled such a vital role. You named a guy who is so rarely mentioned in Green Bay Packer lore. Reggie White gets all the shine. Sean Jones gets some. But my goodness, when you had on the inside Santana Dotson, Gilbert Brown, with Sean Jones and Reggie, that was such a dominant. I mean, who throw it up against anybody in the history. Throw that front four against the purple people eaters. Anybody out there? That that line is covers every base a defensive line should. And uh, and I think it kind of you know what we talk about when we get to talking about our roster now with Kenny Clark and in our new draft pick Slayton. And with our ends, can we kind of mirror some of this uh, potential? You know, I mean, we have we have some good players, and, and I think that's what got the conversation with Gilbert Brown going. Uh, it's exciting to see another defensive lineman that could potentially fill that role and help the others on that defensive line take that next step and and, and be that dominator
2: you know it's it's great that you guys mentioned that line uh, peter i don't know if it is still the record but that that line was one of the primary reasons that green bay set it was it was in the nfl record at 19 touchdowns in a season uh, given up I don't know if it is still the record but I would be surprised if it yes. wasn't um, he was a tremendous tremendous player uh in going back and watching some highlight tapes and stuff and and the, the thing that that two things really stuck out um, to me was one for a guy at that big. Uh, Peter mentioned that first step but he closed and that's when he was talking the story about John Randall, I'm like, you know, the Viking coaches screwed up. They should have made Randall carry a ball <laughs> because if there was a ball in the hand, he could move uh, and, and he closed down. And uh, the other thing from a more fan perspective that really jumped out at me um, was the, the uh, you know, I, I met Gilbert Brown at a little bar in Manaqua. He used to come up fishing. I think he still does. I, I hear that he's in town every so often. Super super gregarious, nice guy. And, and you know, with the gravedigger celebration and just the way and the Gilbert burger, which was available in Wisconsin. <laughs> I've been eating a few of those. Hold the pickles, man. Hold the pickles. <laughs> but he was he was this super nice, sweet man. Uh, and there was just, I mean, he was so beloved by the folks in Green Bay. It reminded me of this year. He's he's sort of. Um, if there's a similarity, I shouldn't say this year, or the the last four years, but Jamal Williams, he has that same sort of relationship with the fans. I mean, he's a positive energy guy all the time. He couldn't dance as well as Jamal, but 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 few can. Um, but he had that kind of that glow with the fans, and and it's important when you have those things. And and on the last thing I want to say on that is that Eric is absolutely right. You know, getting Santana Dotson to come to Green Bay. Was huge, and that was uh, that was just uh, tremendous. I I hope that's the direction we're heading.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I I think our linebackers are in question from those uh those those great '90s teams with Simmons, Kuntz, Williams back there, but uh, we'll get that figured out. I the thing that always endeared me so much to Gilbert was um, the year that he tore his bicep. And he played. And he played that year, was like, all right, man, you could take the whole year off. You could, you could take your salary, rehab, and uh, he just kept playing. And man, that, that that's the kind of stuff that fans just love. And I ate up, and I did eat a Gilbert Burger or two myself. But the way that that team chemistry had great role players that knew where they were because they're around great players is something that uh, you know we, we have some really, really good players. Do we have great players on our defense yet? You know, Kenny Clark, Zadarius, they're really good players, but they're not Damn. a Reggie White. Yeah, but they're not a Reggie White. You know, They're not uh, a, the, the way that those – uh, a Santana Dotson, a Sean Jones. These were veterans on that line that were dominant, played a role. And he came in at his size and took it gladly. Johnny Jolly's the next guy that comes to mind he he, he, he took the reins from from what Gilbert established and, and and did that role perfectly as well for the packers that's what that's what I really respect and, and loved about him
3: yeah and, and you're absolutely right you know he played the role that he was asked to do in that two meter square two yard square area perfectly as well as anybody could have any anybody could have could have played it. And so on, on that line, where you had four different types of players, four different characters, just fit that that defensive line absolutely perfectly. And and you know was a dominant player was a dominant player at what he did for like like I say for the best for the best part of a of a of a decade, and and certainly for that period, you know from night so let's say ninety five to two thousand, that kind of period was was a was a dominant player at what he was asked what he was asked to do. And um what we wouldn't give what we wouldn't give to have that type of player around now. And I, and I, and I think to a degree, because he's such a nice guy and we had the Gilbert Burger and we had the all Madden teams and, and and you know how much John Madden loved him and all of that, it to a degree slightly overshadowed how good a player he how good a player he was. Uh, you know everybody looked at how big he was and, and all of this. But yeah, you know, was, was dominant at the at the role that he was asked to do. And let's hope that TJ Slayton gives us a little bit of that in the oh, next year. Let's keep those fingers crossed.
2: I made the, the comparison from a fan's perspective to Jamal Williams. And it would also be unfair of me to not make the comparison with Aaron Jones. And that, of course, on the top surface doesn't make any sense. But when he signed his second contract, he took... Significantly less money, fifteen percent less money to stay in Green Bay, very similar to what Aaron Jones did this year, and and that's another reason. You know, it's that kind of um, all in for the team, all in for the team, uh, and and that's that's part part of the reason why he's mm-hmm. still so beloved. That,
0: that's an awesome point because a million dollars back then for a defensive lineman whose shelf life was what, you know, to take that, that was a no, great point, Eric, man. We loved them for that. That was just
3: loyalty. Uh, uh, absolutely. You know, and, and he's going to be one of those, one of those names that even though he's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he is in the Packers Hall of Fame. It's going to be one of those names in 30, 40, 50 years time that there'll be three guys sitting like us. And they'll still be talking about Gilbert Brown, you know, and and that says and that says it all, yeah, you know, and, and um, yeah, just just a really neat part of the Packers' heritage and of those nineties those nineties teams.
0: Well, he's got a Super Bowl ring. He has so many great memories. He's he has what we talked about, uh, which. Well, when J.J. Watt could potentially have come here? Just being a Wisconsin icon, the legend, Gilbert Brown's going to be able to walk into any place with open arms. And I'm not just talking, you know, bars or anything else. Any place he wants to go, Packer fans are going to know Gilbert Brown, and he's going to be welcome. It just kind of switches to, you know, what we were talking about earlier in the show. You know, where does that leave? You know, our guy like Aaron Rodgers going. That team first person, the selfless person, uh, not that Aaron needs to know his role, but Gilbert embraced the role and didn't make any complaints about it, which, when you cut him, he's he's green and gold, blood all over the floor. That's what Gilbert is, you know. His hydraulics pump green and gold all day. And I think the big thing to for if that's easy to forget about him is that when he left for that year and then came back, he helped the team where we needed them as well and and he came back because he loved the green bay packers again could have gone somewhere else but came back to the fan base because he had something more to give to the organization to the fan base that that's what he meant to me so uh, legend hall of famer in the packers eyes but uh he is going to be always welcome anywhere
3: in Packer nation. Yeah. I mean, you've summed summed it up fantastically, you know, easily identifiable. Everybody who knows anything about the Packers knows, knows Gilbert Brown and, you know, will always be, will always be part of that. You know, the, the, the rich history, one of the first names that comes to mind when you think of those nineties teams, even though, like I say, there were some pro football hall of famers on the, on those teams, Favre and White, and hopefully Leroy Butler, Gilbert Brown's name will be one of the first that, that comes to, and will always come to mind. You know, forty years from now, people will still be talking about Gilbert Brown and his contribution to those teams, and the Gilbert Burger and 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 everything else. It's just it's just yeah, you know, part of that rich, rich, rich Packer history. You know, we're talking we're talking about him now like he was playing last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's 50 years old and, you know,
0: yeah. gosh, <laughs> still be a mountain to suit up. Hey, let's talk about TJ Slayton, though, because this is where I, I the similarities, uh, Slayton is a big boy. 6'3". Um, we have a guy that, you know, you can't compare it to a Reggie White, but a Kenny Clark on the inside teamed with a TJ Slayton. And then we have the, you know, merry-go-round of the Smith brothers and where ever rashad's gonna get in i don't don't, wherever they're gonna if he's gonna be starting or heavier in rotation we have a defensive line right now that i'm really optimistic about because it removes the guys we've praised and loved to follow eric and kiki kingsley to being delegated to those roles where you can capitalize on your strengths as double sack games you know we can we can use uh dean lowry's salary on a different player because we can cut him now and we can use tyler Lancaster to uh you know as that role player in there uh that's again who asks a lot from a rookie me i guess is, is what i i i ask a lot for a rookie because i'm uh i'm really high on this guy
2: hey, the, the more i've gone back and looked at him since draft day. The more I, uh, the more excited I get about how we're going to be able to use this guy. He, he, he may. Uh, you, we had a conversation earlier about who we thought was going to be the star out of this, out of this whole draft, and he may turn out to be the guy. Uh, and to get him in the fifth round, he, he's not going to be. A, I, I don't think, at least in this first year, or so I don't think he's going to be much of a third down guy unless it's third and short. Um, but he, he looks to me like the kind of guy that's got strength and drive to develop pass rush moves to where he's got a ceiling that's much higher than I, than I originally thought. And so I'm really excited about adding him to the rotation in there and, and giving some other guys a, a breather. Um, you know, this it was kicking a dead horse with a Mike Pettin defense, but when you keep giving up long bend but don't break drives, your own team is dead in the fourth quarter, you know nice to have a rotation
3: yeah i i I agree and and i and i think i think if you know if you can come up with a defense as you say that it's got slayton and clark and the two smiths on the outside you know or or gary you know you've got a strong a strong defensive line and and ultimately i guess what you're trying to do with defense in this day and age is you're trying to get the other team into a third and seven a third and ten third and eight you know that, that that generally is what defense is is all about sure you want turnovers obviously but but you want to get them into third and long situations and I, and I and i think that you have to have those guys that can get in there and stuff the run on the on the early downs and if he never becomes anything more than that you've still got a fantastic player if he becomes more than that you know even more fantastic but you know i think you have to have that guy and and again, you also want a guy that could spell Kenny Clark. You, you you don't want Kenny Clark to have, to have to play 65 downs a game week in, week out. You know, and we saw last year when Clark missed time early, but towards the end of the season, because he hadn't played early in the season, or played less time early in the season, you know, he was dominant late in the season because his motor was still going. Um, so I think yeah, I i'm really i'm really looking really looking forward to to seeing the job and seeing how he's used you know in in this defence and how the pieces are used around around him in this in this new defence i think that's something to you know to really look forward to you know, with those third and sevens too, doesn't doesn't that just
2: open up the opportunities for new Packers like Patrick Sertan and Nick Chubb to make
3: huge plays <laughs> behind
2: the line? Well, uh, sorry, I couldn't well, help myself. Well,
3: well, <laughs> well, so so you're going back to the reason that they released Russell yesterday to free up a roster spot for the yeah. trade that's the players coming back this way. Is that right? Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> well, or just what? Just one more sort of goofy question. This this undrafted kid from Air Force. Who's in? That is today or tomorrow. Hammond uh, the third for a workout. If if the Packers sign him, so that technically would put our our quarterbacks number at five. Is that an indication that it's really only four because Rogers is only here for a short amount of time?
3: Uh, uh, uh. Personally, I'm I'm trying. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying okay. not to read anything into. <laughs> no, like, yeah. can help the, it. <laughs> I know. Into the signing of the other of, of of the other guys. Um, I I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's a factor.
0: Is Hammond? Is it confirmed? He's he's an Air Force quarterback. Is it confirmed he's coming in to play quarterback, or is it a different position they have in mind? He seems like one of those, you know, multi-positional players that could be, you
2: know. That's a great point because yeah. his athletic ability is off the charts. He yeah. he really is, and that I didn't yeah. read anything other than quarterback. But that's a very interesting. Yeah, point. yeah that's a yeah. good question.
0: Yeah, I, I'm. I I, listen, this is why people listen to the Acme Army podcast, the Fastest Rising podcast, and Packer Nation because of points like I just made. It's just <laughs> you're welcome. That's all <laughs> I got to say. You're welcome, everybody out there. Um, hey guys, I want to ask a question because Peter, last time we talked, we were pretty hot on the draft is there any opinions that have changed on your side from some of the
3: selections we made no i don't i don't i don't don't think so i think i think they had a had a solid draft i think some of the guys they picked higher than i would have picked them but but a lot of it's about how the board falls and how they see them is there so, any players uh,
0: that you're getting excited about though that have that you've that you've, that you've seen uh, you've, you've seen some personalities come out or read anything about that you know maybe you weren't excited about in the draft and now you're getting a little more excited
3: so so i guess i guess i'm excited about the first round pick He wasn't as you know i have my hands up and say it wasn't the guy that i ideally would have taken there just because of who else was on the board at the point that they sure. that they picked but uh, but i think that it's going to be so interesting to see how he's used with his speed and athletic ability. Uh, it's just going to be really, really exciting to see to see him play and how he's going to how he's going to turn out. I don't I don't know, but I think I think it's really exciting to see yeah. to see you know the level that he may get to over the over the coming years and and you know and the question how quickly does he play a lot. Mm-hmm. you know i don't expect him to start on day one but he may do but yeah. um you know how quickly does he get into the rotation and start playing a lot and i and i think i think when you've got athletes and you've got a, you know world-class speed like he's got it's always exciting to see that yeah yeah eric who, who have you
0: might been excited about since the draft
3: well one that we all really questioned
2: and I, it, 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 it's still worth questioning but uh, the second round pick uh, in Josh Myers. Um, it, you know, you can't ever judge anything by looking at grown men uh, in shorts running around without pads on and defenses. That being said, the snaps that I saw him taking at the mini camp, uh, he seemed far more explosive than than I would have expected. Um, he got out of you know he snapped the ball and got out of his stance like lightning quick. I I was I was surprised by that and that that caught my eye and so I'm I'm very interested. That's again we've you know kicked this dead horse so many times but not having a preseason last year. You know the preseason so many people hate preseason. I love preseason because you get to see the young guys play, the guys that are on the bubble.
0: Uh, we're nerds, man. We're nerds. So we love
2: yep. preseason. <laughs> right, and, and I think I, I think Myers is you know maybe they saw something, and again based on yeah. a couple snaps and shorts, it isn't much, but he looked really explosive to me coming out of there, fast, fast, and he's a big boy.
3: Yeah, and I think the other interesting thing with Myers is is how that whole offensive line is going to play out. You know, none of us know right now how that whole thing's going to play out. Does Myers go straight to center, or does Patrick play center, or does Jenkins play center, or is back you know went back to you, are you going to be it's interesting it's 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 a really interesting interesting position
0: i i like that myers had fought through so much adversity injuries um and continued to play i i can see why the packers invest that kind of um selection into that that kind of character you know that's eric we talk about it that's packer people kind of stuff you know I think the biggest selection that I've changed my head on is just uh, uh, Kylan Hill. I mean, he's a seventh-round selection. I'm jacked up on Patrick Taylor right now. I (laughs) jacked up on Patrick Taylor. And this Kylan Hill kid's coming in, and everybody's thinking he is going to be somebody to make a difference. And, again, this is what we just talked about. I can't wait for preseason because – We have a running back room right now that is really – if we were talking about this with Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon, I'm still excited. But Aaron Jones and the compliments to him at the forefront, A.J. Dillon, I'm excited about it. And I just don't think Kylan Hill is the one who – I don't think there's a question if he's going to make the team. Impact is what I'm worried about because I think he's getting a little more than – I think he's
2: gonna receive so you know we have the running back room the tight end room and the wide receiver room right now that's set up to help a young quarterback Mm. just saying Mm. Mm. amen amen
3: a a young 37 year old quarterback
2: (laughs) (laughs) we can only hope but my hope is fading yeah One, one, one question i also wanted to throw back at you guys so, uh, you know, I, I'm older, so I have a, a longer memory. I, I distinctly remember the 70s and the 80s where you couldn't get a free agent to sniff Green Bay. And, you know, Brett Favre, uh, yes, Reggie White came for the money, but Reggie White came to Green Bay because Brett Favre was there. You look at the Charles Woodsons and the Zadarius Smiths and all the, you know, the Sean Joneses and the Santana Dotsons, all those guys came because they wanted to win because of who we had. Throwing the ball, that's the thing that makes me a little bit nervous moving forward. If if we go away, is Green Bay still going to be a destination for top free agents? I believe
0: God sent Reggie to Green Bay, but Brett Favre <laughs> probably had a role in some of the other
2: players.
3: That's that's what he said. And I, I, and I think that's a great question, and it's just another thing that you throw into the mix that you just don't, you just don't know. I get, I, I I guess you hope in this day and age, that's a terrible way to look at it probably, but you hope in this day and age that money that money talks and as every team has got equal amounts of money to spend under the cap that, you know, there'll be guys that that don't want to come to Green Bay that end up coming because the Packers pay more money, you know, in that particular situation will pay that particular player more money. I I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. But um, I like Kyleen Hill, by the way. Yeah. I do too. I do too. I think. I think just... that. I think the difficulty the pack has got, if you if you take the wide receiver room and the running back room and the tight end room, and you say that probably they're probably going to keep fourteen players in that in that mix, is how that how that pans out because you, you it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they keep five tight ends if you include DeGuara and Daphne in that in that group, and then all of a sudden. You're probably down to keeping three three running backs, probably. Whereas, whereas, I think in an ideal world, you might want to keep you might want to keep four. Um, so I, I think it's going to be interesting how that how that all pans out.
2: I don't think they're going to keep less than five in any of those group in any of that group. I, 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 it's going to be real interesting to see how this works. But three running backs isn't enough, as you say. It's not enough. And don't sleep on the kid from Ohio State. He's going to make some noise in training camp too.
0: Are you talking about?
2: Back. Are you talking about Mike Webb? Uh, I, Mike Mike, <laughs> Webber? Mike? Webber? <laughs> where are you?
1: <laughs> Come on a
2: <to> show, Mike.
0: <laughs> Respond to my Twitter, Mike. I live in Columbus. I wrote it for you. My son had your
3: jersey. I, I'm beginning. I'm beginning to spy that we actually have we have a Packers roster and then we have an Eric's roster. <laughs> That's K. B. and Ento. Yeah. Mike, Mike, Mike Weber.
0: Uh, Josh Nyman. <laughs> that is, yeah. for, that, that Guilty is all is fact. charged. That <laughs> is all fact. Well, I mean, what you said about the tight ends is uh, something that's going to be a full show in itself. So, Peter, you're more than welcome to join us on that because I, I dove into red zone um, s- scenarios, stats, and had a lot of fun and just looking at what we have in our tight end room and our running backs to complement what, my scenario in the whole investigation would be when Jordan love is the
3: quarterback. I guess the the question, the question in the tight end room is, is is actually is Jay Sternberger the one who's most in trouble of not making the roster. And I, and I, I think he make I think he makes it. I think this might be a little bit of a make or break here, but I think he makes it. But then, but then you, you know, you throw in Sternberger, Lewis, Tonyan, Deguara, Daphne, that's five, that's five tight ends. And I can see them keeping all of those Lafleur likes, like tight ends and they've all delivered for the packers or certainly have the potential to deliver and then um you know if you, if you if you if you keep six six wide receivers which is which is typical i mean two years ago the packers kept eight um at the cut down of 53. um you know some of that may depend on what happens with devin funches um but but it's it's easy to to pick six i think wide receivers and all of a sudden it's how do I fit more running backs onto the roster? Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be it's going to be really interesting, especially if they keep if they keep six quarterbacks at the same time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you nailed well, it right there. How many quarterbacks are we going to have? Because you know when you talk about the tight ends, Eric, the running backs, and wide receiver. Ideally, you'd like to have two quarterbacks on the roster.
2: <laughs> well, and if it's love, uh, it very well may be three. <laughs> You know, oh. un, un, until until your starter is established, you can't afford to roll with two.
0: And not even if that second quarterback's name is Blake Bortles. It just can't happen. <laughs> well, listen, you guys got any final words? Uh, great show. A lot of fun. Any recaps, final words you have for me, Eric?
2: Uh, I think we pretty much covered everything I wanted to touch on, and it really is a great conversation. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Peter and, and Eric. This is uh it's good to be talking football again, and I, I just wish some of these mysteries would clear themselves up sooner than later, so that we can
3: sleep. That's for sure. It, it, same, same here. Thank you again so much for invite, inviting me to come on. Uh, you know, I, I'm i with, I'm with you guys. I think, however, stuff pans out. Let's hope it pans out quickly, so we can, we can all move forward. Um, and just everybody, everybody stick to get. However, stuff pans out, everybody stick, stick together. We love the Packers. That's why we're here. Just stick together and all will be well.
0: Those are the words of a wise man. Peter Jones, thank you for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us out there on Anchor. Hey, you guys know you can send us a message or a voicemail on Anchor. You can tell the boomer anything you want. You can tell me and my big nose where to shove it. You can do all that stuff on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening. But most importantly, guys, thank you for hitting that share button on the apps and sending it and texting it to a friend because our numbers are growing and we have you to thank. We have great guests like Peter Jones to thank. And uh, we got one of the best co-hosts in the business, Eric Haggy in the Northwoods to thank. You've uh, been great. We're approaching 100 episodes here, buddy. We got lots of things to discuss. Peter, uh, hope you're going to be joining us for that episode. And with that, take us out,
2: buddy. just want to say thanks to all those who listen and all those who share and all those who uh, give us a high rating it every little bit helps Uh, to my partner thanks very much it's it's hard to believe that we're almost at a hundred it's been so much fun um you know the thing about it is regardless of what happens everyone who's a green bay packer fan should be walking around with their head held high proud of an organization that represents the best that happens in sports yeah we have our dramas every family does uh, it'll work out it will work out <laughs> and go pack go <laughs>
1: Cut. Mm-hmm.
0: y'all listening. Hope you had fun. We'll be back later on in this week with a new episode. But till then, I'd say head on out to PeterPrinceMusic.com and download some of the funkiest music you can get. Start off every day, Craig. PeterPrinceMusic.com. Get it.